Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Manoa Podcast. This is episode three, and we're already making some changes. I'm changing up the intro. I wasn't a big fan of the other one. It was a bit too pseudo-professional for my liking, and that's not really the style I wanted to go with this podcast. I want this to be a bit more of a conversation as opposed to a presentation. Like, I don't want to be sitting here thinking like I'm giving a lecture to you guys. I just want this to be like a chat, you know, between between friends. So I'm going for a bit more of this relaxed type of introduction. If you guys like it, let me know. Um, shoot me a DM on Instagram or comment on uh, on a post on Instagram at Manoa.athletics or send me an email um, at Manoa.athletics at gmail.com. Uh, probably better to send an, uh, a DM or something on Instagram because I'm 20 years old. Emails are uh, a bit foreign to me. Uh, so that's more of like a 30 plus thing. I'm only 20 years old. So if you people are 30 plus, those people uh, know better with emails. Anyways, today we have a very important uh, episode. We're talking about knees, knee health, how to prevent injuries, because this is something that's very dear to me. I have, uh, I've gone through an ACL tear and gone through all the rehab. So I have to be very careful with my knees to make sure that I never go through something like that again, because let me tell you, it sucks. It is awful. It is not fun whatsoever. And I it, it hurts to see other people have to go through it knowing what it's like. And I would say I had it fairly easy. My body responded very well to the to the surgery, to all the training I did. And I was able to make a good recovery. But sometimes it's a bit more finicky with other people. And it's tough to see them go have to go through that and get in that bad place of will I be able to play my sport again. So it's not not a good thing uh, whatsoever, ACL tears or anything like any sort of injury. But I will, so what we're going to get into today is kind of my story on uh, my ACL tear. And then I'm going to get into some other common knee injuries, what causes them, and just some tips and strategies of what you can do with your training to help prevent this. Now, I want to give a few disclaimers here. No amount of training can ever reduce injury to zero. No amount of training, nothing. So there's whenever you play a sport there is always going to be that small chance of you getting injured. So just because I say if you do this, it'll limit um, any sort of injury, not any sort of injury, but this specific injury, it never brings it down to zero. So you could do all these your whole life and you still have a chance of, of tearing ACL or some other knee injury. Second thing, no amount of training can ever limit uh, injuries caused by blunt trauma. So that's kind of the tags along to the first point. So if someone comes flying in at your knee, let's say you play a contact sport like football, rugby, or even if you do like wrestling or whatever, or some combat sport, some someone grapples your knee and twists it all up and you know rips it out of its socket, then you know there's, there's no training is going to solve that. That's just it's just unfortunate at that point. So you, that's about you being very careful about um, what positions you get yourself in and things of that nature. But even then, still the chance. Last thing. If you are going through uh, one of these injuries, although things on this pod, on this episode are going to help, please seek out uh, professional help. So this this podcast is going to give some baseline tips, uh, more so on the prehab side. But if you are going through something like this, you're going to need to go through a, a physiotherapist who may refer you to a doctor to get some scans and then back to the physiotherapist and maybe a strength coach to strengthen things back up. This isn't. This may help, but it's not going to be 
what solves your problems. This is more so if you're healthy and you want to start doing some things to um, help your knees feel better. So now, with that being said, let's move on to my little story of how I tore my knee. So the day was August 30th of 2018. And the reason why I remember this is because it was a day after my birthday. Um, it was about 20 minutes to the end of practice. It was like 6.40 in the afternoon or evening. I don't know, or if, whatever that counts as. That's not my area of expertise. Um, but it was like 6.40. I was on scout team. I had a, I was, had a man blocking me. I see the ball carrier coming to my left. I started making some lateral movements to my left. And then after a couple steps, I hear some pops, some cracks, some lovely little noises in my knee that everyone wants to hear. And instantly pain shooting in from my knee. I collapsed to the ground. It felt terrible. I kind of, uh, as a joke, I was like, yep, it's my ACL, it's my ACL, but I had no idea. Uh, and then the the trainer came, did some ch- did some tests, picked me up, took me inside to the training room. And I was, I was upset because, uh, I mean, A, it hurt. B, I was like, this could be something serious. This could take me out for a while. Um, and then over the next few days, I was able to walk on it. So I was like, oh, maybe I didn't tear my ACL. But little did I know, you don't need your ACL to walk. You need it to do anything above walking. And it's, you know, it's recommended for walking. But you don't really need it to walk. So a few a few uh, weeks later, I did an MRI, got the results back from a, from a doctor. He called me and he said, hey, look, Yanis, I have some unfortunate news. Your ACL's torn. There's like a few a few uh, fibers that are still attached, but for the most part, it's gone. And I was like, ah, great. And a little funny, uh, funny story with that. Before you can play uh, university sports in general, you have to get a physical test done by a sports doctor. You have to assess so assess your joints and make sure that you have no outstanding injuries, that your mobility is good, that your ligaments are working well, yada yada yada. So he was checking my knees at some point. Uh, making sure that my ligaments were working well, I had mobility, flexibility, all that stuff. And he was like, "Wow, man! Like you have you have some great knees." I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, like you, know, you got some great mobility. Like they they have a bit of give. Like you'll definitely bend before you break." And uh, let's say two weeks later, I broke. <laughs> so yeah, and remember he saw me um, a little after my diagnosis, or even after I I heard it. I'm not remember. Don't remember. Um, but he saw me and he's like, man, I'm so sorry uh, for jinxing you. And I was like, oh, it's all good. But it's a bit of a, a bit of a funny story. The irony and all of it. Oh, you have great knees. And then, and then tearing it a few weeks later. Anywho. So then after I get my diagnosis, um, the strength coach knew that it was time to get me ready for surgery. Uh, and what I mean by that is before you do any sort of surgery on a joint per se, it's always a good idea if you can. If it's not like, you know, going to cause you more pain or more damage to strengthen yourself uh, before the surgery. Because after the surgery, there's going to be a long uh, interval of inactivity, as well as certain muscles might be kind of turned off to protect the operated area. So, for example, with the ACL tear, since I did a patellar graft, patellar patellar tendon graft, um, what that did was it kind of turned off my quad. Uh, in order to protect that area, in order not to contract and cause damage. So one big part of my rehab afterwards was turning my quad back on. Um, but 
what I could have done, what I did before then was just, was strengthen my quad, make sure that it was as strong as possible so that the damage done through the inactivity and through the um, kind of inactive uh, signaling done for my body on my quad to limit all that. After that, it became just about rehab. Just get making sure I get as strong as possible, uh, as mobile as possible, fixing all the little weaknesses that could have contributed to my ACL tear. And through all of that, I was able to learn what is necessary to have a healthy knee. And this is something that's ongoing for me because just because I went through the rehab process doesn't mean I'm done protecting my knee. I want to make sure that I'm as bulletproof as possible. That's the goal. Uh, injuries are never a good thing, so I don't want any more. I've had a few. And I hope that the ACL is among the last. The last major one, if I you know sprain a wrist or something, big deal. But with all of this, I wanted to make sure that I came back as good as possible. Like I said, I didn't want any more injuries, and I also didn't want to be delayed too much. So I made sure to work out as much as possible, do all of my mobility stuff, everything that the strength coach put, and more. I was probably working out like 10 hours a week, plus a few extra hours of uh, uh, therapy in the training room with athletic therapist. So yeah, I... Uh, it was quite a bit of time and I had to skip class to get all that done, which I don't recommend, but you know, you do you. So now that we've kind of talked about a bit about my ACL story, I want to get into what other injuries can occur uh, within sports. The most common ones that I've been able to find, first and foremost is ACL tear. That's probably the biggest, it's the, it's the most common big injury that you can get from sports. Other ones that you can get are uh, patellar tendonitis or tendinopathy. It's also known as jumper's knee. Uh, really common amongst uh, volleyball players and basketball players. You can get an MCL tear, and we'll get into we'll get into what all these mean. And there's a meniscal tear and kind of degradation. So back to the ACL. I'm just going to kind of get into what causes an ACL tear. Like I mentioned in the beginning. All of these injuries can be caused, minus the patellar tendonitis. That's that's a more of a that's a different story. But any sort of tear in the knee can always occur from blunt trauma. So from a body flying into you, someone you know putting your uh, grappling your leg and like twisting it about. So we're not going to be really talking about that. Although I'll, the movements are the same of what caused them. So for an ACL, with uh, what typically tears an ACL is a hyperextension. So extension is when you straighten your leg. Um, hyperextension is when you extend your leg past 180. It's a, it's gross and it's very uncomfortable to think about, but that's what it. That's what a hyperextension is. When it goes too far that way, it um, actually that's when it re legitimately rips your, your ACL. The tension on it is too great, and it reaches failure and then just rips. Uh, the other way you can uh, tear your ACL is with uh, internal rotation. So you have your foot planted and then your knee twists inwards. Uh, this is what happened to me. I I twisted my knee uh, very badly. So much so that it wasn't only my ACL that was damaged. It was also a bit of uh, medial meniscus. It was, there was something in the medial meniscus and a, a lateral meniscus tear. Uh, as well as some bone bruising um, on the back of my tibia, which is your shin, and the front of my femur, which is your thigh bone. So they're not supposed to touch in that way. Let's put it that way. So yeah, there's the hyperextension and the inward rotation. And those those two things are going to be common themes in the rest of this episode. 
Next up is the patellar tendinopathy or patellar tendinitis. So this is, like I mentioned, is a bit different. It's a repetitive stress injury. So um, what happens is the patellar tendon, which is located on the, on the front of your knee, if you feel your kneecap and you move just down in between your kneecap and your shin, that's where your patellar tendon is. So this is caused by repetitive uh, stress, as I mentioned, and it is typically occurs when you jump a lot, uh, things of that nature. So, like, so that's why volleyball players and basketball players get it because those people jump a lot and they're very tall. So their patellar tendon uh, uh, has a lot of stress on it anyways. So that uh, the combination of the two is not good. And what, ha what happens a lot of the time is the tendon kind of breaks down a little bit. It starts to little fibers might rip and it doesn't have enough time to get better. So it can actually inflame, which causes pain typically, or there's pain and it can inflame and then that weakens the tendon. And it's just not a good combination of events. Um, so especially for people that need to jump a lot when they can't jump because their knees are feeling really bad, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough issue because then you have to tell them not to jump and then you need to also strengthen it. So it can get very tricky as to how to go about solving this issue. But there are some strategies that you can use. Next up is an MCL tear. An MCL tear typically occurs through blunt trauma most of the time. It's it's a very strong ligament, so it's tough to kind of do on your own. Um, but it obviously, anything's possible. So it, you can take a bad step. And then, like, if you, let's say you slip and, you're, and your leg goes out to the side, that inward pressure of your knee being straight, but then a lot of pressure going inwards, that's what's going to rip it because the MCL stands for medial collateral ligament and it's on the inside of your knee. So uh, any sort of uh, excessive force or pressure coming in and pushing your knee inwards, that's what's going to cause a tear. Next one is a meniscal tear. And this is similar to an ACL as to how it can happen. Oftentimes meniscal tears are um, paired with ACL tears. It's, it's not rare that, they, that they're not paired together. But on a balance of probabilities, you're, if you tear your ACL, you've, already, you've probably done some uh, damage to your meniscus as well, like in the case of my knee. But um, this can occur when the knee is kind of angled inwards. So there's, um, there's this thing called valgus in the knees. It's, an, it's a natural kind of uh, inward bend that most knees have. And that's just an adaptation that humans have uh, when, when we're, since we're bipedal. Um, if you look at chimps and gorillas, when they walk on two legs, they kind of wobble because their their knees are fully straight. So their center of balance, their legs are far away from the center of balance and they have to waddle in order to walk. But because our knees have that inward bend, we can walk without waddling. Anyways, so having excessive amounts of uh, valgus, the inward angle of your knee, can put a lot of pressure on the meniscus because what the meniscus is, it's a um, it's a cushion for your knee essentially. It's a, it's a, it's a semi, it's a, it's a bit squishy, um, piece of, piece of tissue that's in between, uh, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a soft cartilage, I guess you can, it's one sort of way to put it, but what it does is in the knee is it dampens the force between the, the two bones. So the, the two bones, when you walk, when you run, they kind of collide with each other. Uh, the meniscus dampens that force. And it can, and under normal movements, it's perfectly fine. No damage done to it. It's it's not an issue at all. But when there's an excessive amount of force placed on it, 
uh, at an unfavorable angle, such as when your knee is kind of caved in a little bit, that is not favorable. And obviously when you fully twist your knee, um, that's when a lot, uh, way too much force is placed on the, on the meniscus and that's when it tears. With all that being said, there are, there's, there's a bit of a common theme of movements uh, throughout all of these. There's the twisting, like I mentioned, that's a big one. There's the knee caving inwards, another big one. Hyperextension, less common, but it is uh, big. And then also an overuse of the patellar tendon and or the meniscus in an unfavorable position. Now there's a lot of um, a lot of strategies of how you can go about uh, correcting some of these things. Um, but in order to do that, we kind of have to talk a bit of anatomy about some of these structures in order for things to really make sense. So in the body, there is a mobility stability trade-off within joints. So joints that are mobile are not necessarily the most stable. Joints that are stable are not the most mobile. Okay. And um, you really have to protect the stable joints with the mobile joints, because if a mobile joint is not mobile, then the the mobility that is necessary to perform such a movement is going to be taken through the stable joint and that's when you get tears so oftentimes that's what uh, i'll get into it later but that's what can cause acl tears is lack of mobility in the hips or ankles and another cool thing with the human body is that uh, mobile joints alternate with stable joints so if we go down from the ankle ankle is a mobile joint knee stable joint hip is a mobile joint and then you can even go up the spine so the lumbar uh, spine of your lower back is a mobile joint. Sorry, it's a stable joint. Uh, your thoracic is a mobile joint. Cervical is a stable joint. And then you can even get into the shoulders and it branches out. Shoulders are a mobile joint. Elbows are a stable joint. Wrists, mobile. So it alternates like that. What that helps us do is say, okay, in order to protect the knee, we need to make sure that the mobile joints are mobile, but also have a sense of stability because there's not much movement in the knee. So it's, it's already fairly rigid, but when it has to do something it can't do, which is, you know, be mobile, that's when it rips and that's when it tears, that's when it breaks. So mobile joints need to be mobile and stable. So that's where a lot of the work is gonna be put in. It's gonna be put into the, the, mobile, the mobile joints, making them mobile and stable. And then the joint, the stable joints need a bit of reinforcement with the musculature around it. So that's what a lot of, well, what I'm be what I'm going to be talking about is going to help do. Now, dealing with pate uh, patellar tendonitis and tendinopathy is a little different. There is a mobility factor that plays a role in this, but a lot of this is about decreasing the strain placed on the patellar tendon um, and allowing the allowing it to strengthen and have the ability to withstand the forces going through it without any issues. So. Um, we're going to get into when we talk about the mobility aspect, which is what we're going to get into first. It's going to be about loosening, not going to say loosening, but relaxing the muscles around the knee and even um, around the quad. So first, we're going to talk about the mobility. Before we get into like I, what I said for the patellar tendinopathy and the taking stress of the patellar tendon, we're going to start from the bottom with dorsiflexion. Dorsiflexion is when you're toes point up your toes point up towards your shin that's called dorsiflexion this is probably one of the 
uh, biggest issues amongst people in general is, is many people don't have good dorsiflexion and part of it could be due to genetics and part of it could be due to the movement patterns they do. Um, I personally don't have good dorsiflexion and it might be what led to my uh, ACL tear and it's something I'm actively working on to improve because it's 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 not good whatsoever. Because think about it, if your knee can't, if your foot can't bend forward and your shin can't move forward, um, then your knee is going to have to compensate uh, in order to get to that position. It's going to have to cave in. And like I've mentioned before many times, caving in is a big no-no for the knee. It's it's probably one of the easiest ways to to hurt your knee is when you allow it to cave in. So now a simple exercise that you can do to help this out is called is just a single leg downward dog. And then go from a go from a straight leg with your heel down, and then start bending your knee to about 90 degrees, and maintaining maintaining as much dorsiflexion as possible. So really putting pressure and making sure that the ankle is being pushed up into dorsiflexion as much as possible throughout the entire movement. Now you're really gonna feel feel this in your Achilles tendon, and unless you have any sort of Achilles issues, this should be fine to do. It should kind of help loosen all that up, help loosen the joint as well so that you can get into this because a lot of this has to do with um, the joint uh, of how the ankle moves. Um, but it'll help a lot in kind of opening up your ankle and helping you get that dorsiflexion. Next up, that's a big contributor to protecting the knee is abduction and external rotation. I'm kind of pairing these two together because the muscles that you need to stretch are very similar. So for... Abduction, what that means is, it's a fancy word that basically means being able to stick your leg out to the side. And external rotation is being able to kind of point your knees outwards. So your your hips, at your hips you can rotate your joint. So if you, let's say you're sitting down right now and you kind of point your knees out to the side, that's external rotation and a bit of abduction. So they're very closely paired, which is why I want to talk about them together. The reason why this is important is because as of I'm going to keep on hammering this in. Internal rotation is uh, not favorable for knee health, especially when you're uh, doing things very fast, cutting, jumping, all these things. Being able to have your knees pointed outwards will put you in a more favorable position. And sometimes the reason why people can't do this is because they don't have the mobility necessary to do this. And this could translate not only to the field of play, but it's also a big issue with training. When they're training, they can't get uh, their hips wide enough and put, put themselves in, in a better position to do the movement. And over time, bad movement patterns in the gym will lead to bad movement patterns on your field of play, and it's just not a good combination. So now what do we have to work on to get this uh, external rotation and abduction? The main muscle groups that you want to work on are the inner thigh. So this is like the inner thigh, groin area, all these things. Um, I'm sure you probably know a few groin stretches. It could be some sort of uh, sitting on the ground, legs out to the side, uh, reaching one way, the other way, and then down the middle. It could be a uh, side lunge, or you can look up a Cossack squat, just a side lunge variation. Another one that's very good is a groin rocker. If you look this one up as well. Very, very good because it gets the front side of like the inner thigh, and it also goes all the way back and gets, and gets the the more posterior muscles of the inner thigh. So it works all of them. It's like an all-encompassing thing. Another one you can do is just simply get into a deep squat and kind of push your 
legs, your knees out to the side. This also helps open it up. And lastly, everyone knows the butterfly. Butterfly is king. And don't worry so much about necessarily bringing your legs towards your body. Focus on pushing your knees down. This this is more of the external rotation that I've been talking about. So those are some exercises you can do to kind of open up your hips and allow yourself better hip mobility. Next up is uh, extension of the hip. Now, what this means is basically being able to bring your leg backwards. So let's say someone's doing a split, their back leg, uh, like a front split, their back leg is in a is an extension, hip extension, that is. Now, a lot of the reasons why people don't have good hip extension is because of their hip flexor. So the hip, hip flexor is located, if you feel on the front of your uh, pelvis, a little bony, little bony spot, um, just beneath that, you have your hip flexor. And that, and that is for many people is tight because when you sit all day, it's very, it's very short. And then in order to lengthen it, to be able to do uh, good amounts of hip extension is then going to be very tough. Having mobile hip flexors does two things. It takes stress off the quad, which helps with the patellar tendonitis. Like I mentioned, the kind of uh, chain of muscles on the front of your leg by taking stress off the quad to do, um, hip flexion and allowing it to kind of relax, it then will take some stress off of the patellar tendon. The other thing it does is allows um, your hips to be more mobile and it doesn't, it doesn't force you to compensate with your lower back because like I mentioned, the lumbar spine or your lower back is a stable joint and your hips are a mobile joint. So you want to make sure that your mobile joints mobile, stable joints don't have to compensate for the mobility. But uh, doing some sort of uh, deep lunge um, with your foot flat on, with the back knee, back leg flat on the ground. So you're, so you're on one knee and you can even do it with your back foot elevated. So maybe you go up to your couch, you put your foot in your couch and then your knee on your ground, on, on the ground and get a nice stretch on the front. That's going to stretch out your, not only your hip flexor, but your, but your quad. So if you have, if you are having some uh, issues with your patellar tendon, like I mentioned, probably best to get, uh, seek help uh, through a professional to get that checked out. Because you don't want to stretch your quad and put even more tension on that uh, patellar tendon. You want to make sure that you're stretching the stuff around it so the other stuff can relax. And then over time, the quad can relax and not be continually putting stress on that patellar tendon. Now, lastly, or sorry, second last for mobility is hamstring flexibility. Now, I've added this one not necessarily because having uh, mobile hamstrings is going to protect the knee per se. But the reason why I added it, added this in is because a lot of knee protection work, so to speak, requires strong hamstrings. So it's going to require you to do a lot of um, strengthening of the hamstring. So when you're doing a lot of strengthening work, it's going to cause it to shorten and become very stiff. And you don't want you don't want it to be stiff. It's always better to be a bit more mobile. So the reason why, and the other thing is, is that it's, it's a biarticular muscle. So it crosses two joints. It crosses your knee joint and it crosses your hip joint. So a lot of tension goes through your hamstring and you want to make sure that it is loose, mobile, feeling good, and not too stressed out from everything you do to it. 
So I'm, I'm sure you guys know some uh, a good amount of hamstring stretches. You can do single leg on the ground, uh, hamstring scoops, all that stuff. If there's one thing uh, that I can say to help help with these stretches is whenever you do them, do them with your back straight. And what I mean by this is most people, when let's say they have their feet, they're sitting on the ground, both feet in front, they'll bend their they'll bend their back so that they they can like make their knee, their face touch their knees. That's all cool. I like doing it too. But if you want to get more out of the stretch, do it with your back straight. You're not going to be able to get as far, but it'll be better for you. And also, it'll put less stress on your lower back. So give it a try. It's it's worth it, I think. Lastly, for mobility is quad flexibility. It's kind of loosening up the quads because one of the issues uh, with patellar tendonitis is that the quads are very stiff due to the fact that, that they have to jump repeatedly. And that stiffness will cause uh, will be pulling on the patellar tendon. And what that'll do is over time, too much stress for a prolonged period of time on the patellar tendon can cause it to break down, get irritated, get inflamed, and then you're in some trouble. I can tell when my quad is tight because my patellar tendon will start acting up. I got a patellar tendon graft when I got my surgery, so basically took a chunk out of my patellar tendon and essentially made that my new ACL. So now it's a my, my patellar tendon is kind of weak uh, since there's a big chunk missing out of it. So when my quad is tight, when I've overactivated, it kind of gets a little angry. Uh, so when I'm feeling my patellar tendon acting up a little bit and getting a little bit uncomfortable, it's typically because my quad is tight and and it's pulling on my uh it has been pulling on my patellar tendon for quite a while so then what i do is i start with some uh i start rolling out the quads get some hip flexor work in and then uh some light quad stretching without too much knee bend so that's basically just getting into a uh a lunge and really focusing on making sure that i'm feeling the stretch more in my quad as opposed to my hip flexor so what what one way to do that is to really squeeze your glute so the knee that is down squeeze squeeze the glute of the knee that is down and that can really help out with uh feeling a bit more in your quad but it takes some playing around with because everyone's body is a little different next we have some strength a strengthening component because it's not just about being mobile you have to get stronger in order to be more stable and for this this one might surprise people but the foot the foot is something that people very often overlook and it is so crucial for uh for knee health because in your foot you have uh, an arch and that arch is located on the inner portion of your foot and when that arch is healthy and functioning properly it allows for proper angles of the shin and proper angles of the shin mean that your knees in good position your the rest of your legs in a good position and your risk of injury goes down if this uh, arch collapses that will then bring down the, sh the angle of the shin and it will make the valgus so that inward knee bend a bit larger then putting you in a greater uh putting a greater risk of some sort of knee issue now it's not necessarily going to be an, a knee tear but it could be some sort of meniscal tear it could even be some uh, arthritis later on it's not a it's not a position that you necessarily want to be in so now how do you train your foot and a lot of it has to do with the big toe right people it's, the, it's, it's a very under underrated toe 
but your big toe plays a big part in stabilizing essentially your whole body because you know starts with starts with a good foundation you got to build a good foundation got to have a strong big toe now a simple way to do this is when doing any sort of uh lower body exercise specifically the ones that are single leg do them do them barefoot and when you do it try think about digging all five of your toes into the ground spread them apart as much as you can and then dig them into the ground and really feel um uh, the inside of your arch work over time the first day you do it your foot might be completely sore the next day and then you and then you want to uh, back off but over time you'll be able to build it up to the point where you do it naturally and your your, your foot's going to feel secure and it's going to help your knees out and things are going to feel a lot better another way to do this is if you are um uh, standing on one leg for balance uh by really, really taking the time to focus on, again, spreading your toes out and pushing them into the ground while you're on one leg, that also will help strengthen your foot, uh, which will then, like I said, help out your knee. Another one that I didn't know about until fairly recently was, well, I knew about it, but I didn't know how important it was, was strengthening a muscle called the tibialis anterior. Now, if you if you've ever noticed a muscle on the front of your shin, you know, the one that puts you into dorsiflexion, it's that muscle, the muscle that, that contracts on the front of your shin, that's your tibialis anterior. And this is a big one for any time you want to do any sort of deceleration. So when you're sprinting and then you want to decelerate a little bit to change direction or come to a full stop or even jump, this muscle is huge for stabilizing things in the ankle because it's, it's a fairly big muscle. And it does a lot for protecting not only the ankle, but also the knee as well. Now, one way to train this, because it's often neglected, so uh, a few times, many people don't really don't really think about it, is um, if you have a band, attach that band to a secure, uh, like a post or something, or your bed frame, and then sit sit back about one, two meters, attach it onto your foot, and then kind of do dorsiflexion curls. So just keep putting your, your foot into dorsiflexion while the band is providing tension in the opposite direction and do a good amount of reps of those and you'll feel it burn. If you don't have a band, you can go up to a wall, lean against the wall with your feet at a slight angle with uh, relative to the ground and then go from flat feet and then raise yourself onto your heels. Again, do that for a good amount of reps and you'll feel, you'll feel a burn on the front of your, uh, on the front of your shins. And over time, this will strengthen your uh, your, tib your tibialis anterior, make it stronger, and help out with, uh, like I said, ankle stabilization and even knee stabilization. Also, not to mention, it'll make your it'll make your legs look a little bit more jacked. So, there you go. If you're not going to do it for for knee health, do it so that you can look more jacked. Next up, which then this one is, I think this people know about this one, but it's it's huge. Hamstring strength. Hamstring strength is, if you're not going to do anything else, strengthen your hamstrings. So one thing that happens when people tear their ACLs is their uh, hamstrings actually start turning on, and they and they really and they do this so that they can protect the knee. One thing your 
ACL does is it limits uh, your shin from moving forward uh, in the in the in the knee in the knee joint capsule. So now your ACL can limit the same thing. So when your when your body realizes okay something's happened to the knee, it, we felt a lot of pain, a lot of snaps, pops, whatever, it'll actually turn on the hamstring to protect the knee. So your body knows this, but it took us a while to to know this as well. Now if you strengthen your your hamstring a lot, it means that during your sport when it is turned on, there will be an extra bit of uh, protection to your to your knee. Now, how do you train the hamstring? Well, people are going to think leg curls. And now those are good, but there's a better type of leg curl that you can do. It's called the Nordic hamstring curl. It's basically where you secure your ankles. You're on your knees. You secure your ankles on a stable spot. You can have a friend do it. You can have a friend hold your legs down or a piece of equipment. Uh, most people don't have the piece of equipment. I would hope people have a friend to help them out. If you don't have a friend to help you out, then um, I'm sorry, man. I don't know what to say. Um, but you you have your ankles in a stable position or you're on your knees. And then all you have to do is fall forward as slowly as possible. Most people can't bring themselves back up. If you can, good on you. If you can't, no worries. I can't either. Just fall forward as slowly as possible. Keeping your, your, your whole torso straight from knee to head. Keep it, keeping it straight. Making sure all the tension is coming from your hamstrings and a bit of your glutes. Trust me, it'll burn the first few times, but over time you'll get stronger and you can start to do it for do it even slower, maybe add some more reps. Phenomenal exercise. Absolutely phenomenal for uh, for knee protection. Another one that's uh, absolute gold for knee protection and also for performance um, is the single leg RDL. Now, if you watched ep- or listened to episode two, uh, you would have you would have heard me mention a single leg RDL. These are are great as well because they they not only do hip extension, so bring your leg backwards. Um, they also do the job of the ACL in a sense. They kind of help stabilize the knee and keep uh, the knee from moving in any unwanted direction. So it kind of has both the, that double function of the strengthening of getting the extension plus knee stabilization. So it is th- both these exercises. I highly recommend at least having one of them in your program because having strong hamstrings not only good is it's not, it's not only good for performance but huge for uh, protecting the knee. The last strengthening uh, component is strengthening your external rotators of your hip. So these are located not on the side of your hip, not on the side of your hip, but at about a 45 degree angle behind you. So it involves your glutes, uh, your glute, uh, glute max to a little bit, but more so your glute medius, bit glute min, uh, and there's a bunch of other smaller muscles in there that I'm not going to get into, but a lot of those are involved in externally rotating your uh, your hip, which will bring your knees out. Now, you want to make sure that your knees are out as much as possible because, like I said, having them turn in is when you have injuries, and we don't want those. We say no to injuries. So how do you train these? The way the one one of the best exercises you can do that's also very simple is you take a mini band, you can put it just above the knee, just above your knees. If um, if you're newer to this, I recommend above your knees. If you are more advanced, you can go around your ankles 
and just take lateral steps side to side. Uh, disclaimer here, do not take the step and reach with your foot, reach with your knee. Because by reaching with your foot, not only will you not get as much uh, hip activation, uh, rather external rotation activation, you're also going to be putting your knee in a more internally rotated position, which is kind of not what we want here. So make sure you're reaching out with your knee first so that, so that your whole body's in a better position. It's in a more athletic stance and you get better work done on your external rotators. These, these are probably one of the exercises that helped me out the most. Uh, and it was making sure that my, my knees were always at least over my toes or even outside of that. When I was running, when I was squatting or doing any sort of exercise, it is absolutely huge. Now I want to get into a couple more components that I think are super important and that have helped me a lot with, uh, with my recovery from my ACL tear. Uh, one of them is proprioception, which is basically your body's ability, ability to know where it is in space. There are various sensors in the body that, uh, help with this, that let you know how, how far, how lengthened muscles are. And based off of that information, you know, you know where things are essentially. So you don't need, you don't need to look at your arm to know how extended or how bent it is. You know, you just know where that is. And a big one, uh, is with the ankles. So this is not only for not spraining your ankle, but making sure that your ankle is stable when, when it makes contact with the ground is very, very important. So the best, the best way to do this is just to stand on one leg, stand on one leg for as long as possible. Uh, once that gets too easy, you can change it up and, um, uh, do it with eyes closed do it while you're doing something else. So like throwing a ball, you can even do it when you're brushing your teeth. That's not, that's honestly a, a good, uh, a good little thing to do because you're not focused on standing on one leg. You're focused on brushing your teeth. Now, the other thing that this is going to do, like I mentioned earlier, it's going to strengthen the foot. If you, uh, actively try to dig your big toe into the ground, spread your toes out and dig all your toes into the ground. You're going to feel it in your foot as well and kind of get, you know, a two for one. Lastly, this is a bit more, uh, you know, subjective, but it is uh, movement quality. So now there, there are drills to, to improve your movement quality, but I'm not going to get into those. I'm going to get into more what kind of rules you want to follow in your training and then, uh, on the, on your field of play. The first one, like I've mentioned several times right by now is when doing any exercise, never let your knees cave in. You do not want your knees to cave in. Now I know you see some basketball players when they're, uh, you know, they're dribbling and they're trying to get past someone. You may see them, you may see one of their knees cave in a little bit. That's completely different though. Um, what I'm talking about is when you're squatting, uh, when you're running any sort of drill, when you're stopping and starting, you don't want your knee to collapse. Cause if you do it too much as if it's like a, you know, just a thing you do eventually one day it might be a little too much. And then that's when you can tear it. So you always want to make sure that your knees are never caving in is, and then also by not letting them cave in, you don't put unnecessary amounts of pressure on your meniscus you can maintain some healthy knees and you don't, you don't do unnecessary damage to your knees. So when doing any sort of, uh, exercise in the gym or on your field of play, if it's a drill or if it's just practice, try to be cognizant of where your knees are. 
and not and not letting them collapse inwards. Another thing is just spending time to learn how to land, decelerate, and change direction properly, because oftentimes these are when you're going to uh, tear uh, tear an ACL or have some sort of knee damage as well. Um, we're going to get into more uh, about landing mechanics, decelerating, change direction in uh, future episodes. But for now, it's kind of the same concept of you don't want your knees to collapse and you don't want them to internally rotate either. You want to keep them out. Make sure that you're using your glutes. It's going to be a bit more tiring to do in the beginning, but as you get used to it, your glutes are going to adapt. They're going to get stronger and you're just going to feel more solid and secure when you play your game. And I think for now, that sums up a lot of what I wanted to get into with knee health and like, look, and here's the thing. Knees are like little babies. They require a lot of care and support. So this is not going to, this is definitely not the end all be all knee conversation that I want to have. Knees are going to be a reoccurring theme. This topic is generally one I enjoy at this point because it's like, how can we make it better that we can not tear our ACLs because, um, I've been through it and seeing other people go through it, it sucks. I don't want anyone else to go through it. I remember I was watching the NCAA Women's March Madness with my mom. Um, and I think it was a girl in UCLA. She just went up for a rebound. Uh, no one was around her. Jumps up, lands, and I, for some reason, her knee just... It went all sorts of ways. And it looked painful. It, it Just thinking about it, it's painful. She definitely tore her ACL, maybe even an MCL and probably some damage to her, her meniscus just by the way it, you know, it went front and did the hokey pokey and turned itself about. It was not, not a pleasant thing to see. And, um, knee injuries are only getting more common amongst athletes. And so we, we got to do more, um, from a strength and conditioning standpoint to make sure that athletes are like in the best position not to get injured because if they're, if they're healthy, then they can play their sport. If they can play their sport, they're going to be happy. And that's ultimately what we want. So more needs, more work needs to be done to make sure that we can start to reverse that and bring the number of knee injuries down. I don't want to end this episode off on a, um, kind of like a sadder note of like, you know, this is a big problem. I'll try to come up with a joke, but you know, I don't, I don't have any jokes. So with that being said, if you're still listening, I truly appreciate you. It really means a lot. I hope that you got something out of today's episode and, um, if you have any questions, if you want to learn more, uh, please do not hesitate to reach out to me uh, on Instagram at manoa.athletics or email me at manoa.athletics at gmail.com. Instagram, like I said, probably a better place to reach out. And it's also a great place to stay up to date with any future episodes that come out and anything related to Manoa. My name is Yanis Pitsakis, and we'll talk more next time. Thank you.